The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. But anyway, back to back to Leva, like I, uh, I, you know, thought breastfeeding would be natural and it wasn't like I just had the biggest struggle breastfeeding my baby. Um, he wasn't gaining weight. I was in severe pain. It was yeah. crazy. And I always say, like, I'm an athlete. I've been a runner a lot of for most of my life. You know, I've been in corporate America as a female. Like those aren't easy things. But breastfeeding was by far the hardest thing. Um and it shocked me. It shocked me that it was hard because I'm like, yeah. animals do this, right? Like we're supposed to do this. No, it's not like that. Especially it's being an athlete, you're out there working hard and doing it. Sometimes yeah. your body doesn't work that way. My wife, I told you offline when we first met, my wife had terrible time with breastfeeding. We gave it up after a while. The doctor was like, listen, you're not going to do this for a year. The baby will be yeah. fine. You don't need to go through all this pain. And exactly. Suffering. And yeah, it was terrible. Uh, I love I love that you're, you had a good doctor that told you that. Um, yeah, he was great. I feel like our society is so weird. It's so polarizing. It's like, oh, if you if you feed your baby formula, you're evil and it's horrible. Oh my god! All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode. Have another great guest. Always have great guests, and very excited to talk to Vanessa. We're going to talk about her business and all that kind of stuff. We're probably going to get into moms and parenting stuff too, so it should be fun. Um, so, if you're listening on your favorite directory, be sure to leave us a five star review wherever you can. And if you're watching us on YouTube. Subscribe, hit the like button, ring some bells, and support us so we can keep bringing really good guests on like the one we have on today. So let's get on with today's show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, my name is Vanessa Jupi, and I'm the founder and CEO of Leva, 
We are here to support new moms every step of the way through an app-based ecosystem. As a new parent, you're struggling, you're exhausted, you're trying to figure out work-life balance, breastfeeding, sleep, and everything along the way. And we offer an app-based ecosystem that has sleep, lactation support, career coaching, physical fitness. If you're a new mom and you need help, we've got you covered. All right. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. I have you on mute. Let me put you on. There you are. And um, yeah, I mean, this is like, I told you, it's unique. I don't have a lot of people on that like just started their business. You got a big corporate background, um, but I... The whole parenting thing. I'm on my third kid who's <laughs> she's going to be a high school senior. So wow. got one out, one in, and one on her way to, uh, to school. So um, why don't we go backwards and talk about your background and, you know, your training and college. And then you went to, yeah. uh, you were in corporate for a long time, right? I was 20 years about. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so first of all, thank you also for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I, I love your content and I feel like. I told you this morning, I was listening to one of your episodes that just came out and it's like, I'm going to write a book now. So (laughs) I love it. It's so inspirational. Um, But yeah, my background. So I started out, uh, I got my undergrad in information systems and really loved everything technology oriented. This was back in the early, very early 2000s. And so I was, you know, loved programming, loved building websites and thought that I would just sit behind a computer and solve problems all day in code. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's very different then, too. My son's a coder and a programmer, and the languages are different. Everything they use is different nowadays. Yeah, it's 20. Yeah, it's so different. And I mean, in some ways, like, it's, yeah, it's just different. I don't want to say it's easier. It's just different. But there's a lot of libraries now that there weren't back then and all right, that. The which tools that they use. T- yeah, great tools. Different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I wish I was doing it now. But like, like, what do you sit behind a, a computer and you're typing all day? Says, no, most of it's mouse clicks and. It's just very different. Yeah. yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was my start. And I got to work for some really interesting companies. Like, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. And okay. um, one of my early jobs was working for the San Antonio Spurs, uh, building their website. This was back, it was like David Robinson's last year at, nice. you know, at the franchise. And so I got to do his like tribute website. And that was really fun. Um, yeah, you know, today's June 23rd and we're filming this. So yesterday was the 22nd. Did you watch the draft last night? No, I didn't. First, the first pick they picked. I know. Seven five from France. Yes. And like the best player, yeah. right? Like the oh, very best. I mean. By far. Yeah. Yeah. So it's exciting. It'll be a good year. We can go into the Spurs, but I I mean, I really feel like they made a very smart decision with how they played last year so that they could get that first round pick. Yeah. There you uh, go. You know, well, it's really pop, interesting. You know. Pops all about the long, the long game right. and uh it's really cool anyway <laughs> i'm a spurs fan i will be watching this season okay. um and then i uh, i ended up you know it was two early 2000 san antonio not the best place for technology or being a programmer or anything so i ended up moving to new york city uh and got a job with JetBlue airways and oh. that was like really i would say the beginning of my career actually uh, because there's a lot more opportunity in the city right um and I ended up working for JetBlue for a year. Then I w- ended up getting a job working for this luxury adventure travel company uh, because I was like, what do I like to do? I like to do marketing. I like to do websites. I want to work for a travel company because I want to travel. And right. luxury and adventure sound fun. So let yeah, me right. like I just started emailing every company I could find in that space. And one of them was like, oh, yeah, we want to talk to you. We need your skill set. So I ended up working there for a year and a half. In the city? 
they actually, it was interesting. They were actually in Billings, Montana. Wow. So I was working from home. I worked from the New York city working the for them. And I was remote like, person. The very, yeah. It was like, and then, yeah, exactly. Before, before it was cool, before right. COVID. Um, but I got to go to like Yellowstone and I got to go to South Africa on some wow. safaris with them. It was really fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. But it was all uh, program. You're still sitting behind. Still sitting behind a computer. And it was so it was so funny because like all of the people that were in the company, like the majority were guides. So they're like oh. so outgoing and so adventurous. And like I would go on trips with them and they were like, We're gonna go get up in the morning and we're gonna go rafting and we're gonna do this. And I'm like, I have to just update our blog real fast. <laughs> <laughs> so different. <laughs> yeah, very different. Yeah. 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 It's, it's crazy. I worry about the kids in tech like my son because they're all remote. Like not the whole company's remote. But the technology people are all yes. them sit in there and, you know, they don't want to pay to put them in an office when it's just all technology. What, what, what they need to be connected by teams and whatever. They don't care. But I don't think it's good for I don't think it's healthy for socialization. It's like we're going to talk about moms, right? The yeah. moms problem because they have a baby and they think they're never going to have a friend again in their life because they're trapped in their house. And you got to go to mommy's groups and meet people and get out there. You can't, totally. Yeah. From your house. So I worry about. Like our next generation. I don't know if that. I mean, we have to find a way to balance it. You know, like there's this beauty yeah. in the freedom of being able to be remote and be at home and things like that. But you have to be able to balance it with like socialization and getting together with your coworkers and building right. that really strong relationships matter and they're built in person. You know, so, also yeah. our, like our business ecosystem and our government ecosystems, they rely on like people going in and getting parking tickets and paying for <laughs> yes. costs. And yeah, seriously. I mean, there was somebody just told me recently that the governor of New Jersey contacted all the the heads of the banks the bank institutions and say listen you can't everybody can't be remote they got to be coming in like you know three days a week or something or the whole system's going to collapse yeah you don't really think about those those kind of things i mean you're right like the the systems thinking in general is just such a big important topic that no one i this is a blanket statement but i just don't feel like as a society we do enough Right. And to your point, like, yeah, our system and our infrastructure and everything is based on people commuting in to go to the office. Right. Um, buying lunch and spending. Buying lunch, yeah. going at, yeah, keeping that, the downtown revitalization doesn't happen if you're at home, right? Right. So, right. But I mean, and so it's not like, I, I think it, I think there's like this obvious, like, oh, well, we should just go back to how things were because then our system stay in place. No, but the I world's changing, that, right? right. Like, I don't think that's the answer. Yeah. Look, some of the suburb, I'm sure like bigger cities will suffer and the suburbs will grow because there'll yeah. be people in those towns buying things in the governments, but there's going to have to be an equilibrium because it's going to be problems short term. Absolutely. And we have a, we have a house upstate New York, like literally in the middle of nowhere. And um, there's a whole bunch of folks that moved out of New York city during the pandemic, right. bought big pieces of property in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York. And you it's like to get away from, yeah, to get away from it. And it's, it's just interesting to see like how populations shift depending yeah, on the migration. On. It's usually slower, obviously than that. That was very like, where's, where's the house upstate? Because we had a house upstate. Oh, do you? We did. Oh, uh, we sold it during a pandemic. My dad was uh, getting older and he's like, oh, we can't manage this. And it was always hard to sell it. But with the pandemic, everybody wanted to buy property up there. All the hipsters from Brooklyn were shooting yes. upstate. Oh, my God. We totally. The house. It was in Shandaken, New York, which is like near Bel Air Mountain. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I know where that is. And Phoenicia was the big town, was the big Phoenicia's town. awesome. Yeah. We're not, we're not there. We're like... Do you know where Cooperstown is? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, we're 30 minutes from Cooperstown, 30 oh. minutes from Oneonta. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we're in the central. Yeah, that's yeah, more central. They have a really good distillery, and I'm a bourbon guy. Oh, they what is it called? Cooperstown Distillery in Cooperstown. There you go. Nice. <laughs> Angel's Emmy's like my favorite. <laughs> we went to, we went there twice recently. Widow Jane. Widow Jane's in Brooklyn in New York. So oh, no. Widow Jane and Basil Hayden. 
toast they just came out with was really good. Very cool. We can do another show in Berlin. Yeah, we'll have to go we'll have to go visit that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So we're back with you're doing your programming, you're working for some crazy yeah. company, all these people, and you're traveling the world, but you're still doing computer work, right? Computer work, yeah. And then uh, this was 2008 to 2009, and the economy was not doing so great. I ended right. up getting laid off. No, and then the mortgage collapse and all of them. It was, yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, people aren't buying these luxury adventure trips. <laughs> Nobody has and, the money. Yeah, and I was, I was really like looking back, not that well paid, but for them, it was like I was the third highest paid person at the company. So they're like, well... Yes. Goodbye. You know, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the two owners and me. Um, and so anyway, I got let go and uh, ended up getting hired by DirecTV, which uh-huh. is how I ended up getting started in product management. I was like, I thought it was, this is my life. I thought it was going to be a programming job. I interviewed for it as if it were like a web development job. I it was, thought it was. I thought it was. It was like web production. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. And I interviewed yeah. for it and everything. Oh, and then, like, yeah, I got there. They're like, why are you editing CSS? Like, what are you doing, Vanessa? And I was like, it's not working right on Internet Explorer, which thank God that's not even a thing anymore. But I was like, I just I have to like make these edits. They're like, that's like that's that that's person's not what job. we do. Right. Yeah. Your job is to make sure that the content is good and that you're working with the design, basically pulling everything together and putting a strategy together for the website for like all the entertainment. So you're now supervising all the marketing, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Says and proof, making sure the proof you're not doing the proofreading, right? You're making sure the proofreaders are doing the right and the designers yep. you are basically managing everything, basically managing everything. And I was like. Oh shoot! You know, <laughs> ah, it was such a hard transition. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, just take your hands off the code and let other people do it, and just make sure everything is really good for the user. And I'm like, well, crud. <laughs> were you making more money than you were making at the? A heck of a lot more money. <laughs> so it wasn't that bad, but still, yeah. like trial by fire, you know. Yeah. Well, and it was just, you know, when you, I'm sure you've had these moments in your life where you love what you do, right? Yeah. And I loved actually solving problems in code and seeing you and have users actually use the thing I built, you know? Yeah. And so now I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm facilitating the building of this thing. Right. And I'm coming up with ideas for this thing. But somebody else is doing the, somebody else is doing the work. That was a really hard transition. Uh-huh. And now I look back and I'm like, why did that bother me so much? But it really did for like a year, at least it bothered right. me. Well, it was very sudden too. It wasn't like it was. <laughs> it wasn't a plan. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's funny. Never heard yeah. that before that. Well, I took a new job and it turns out to be a whole career change. And nobody <laughs> told me until I got to work. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, we there wasn't like product management. Obviously, that was a thing. It was a thing for like physical products, but for this idea of like a digital product that was still kind of emerging at this time. Yeah. And so um, they ended up like transitioning our jobs to product managers over a period of time. I ended up leading a team for the first time, and it was ended up becoming quite. At least for me at the time, it was a fairly large team. It was seven people. Um, all about like our entertainment content, the experience users have, how we upsell to pay-per-view movies, how we sell premium content and how do we position this? And then like building our first streaming, our video streaming like yeah. experience. For satellite, right? Satellite. Yeah. Now. Were they owned by at t then? They, they were not. No, oh. we actually like, while I was there, it was such a cool thing. Um, we became a fortune 100 company while I was there. So it was really cool to like see this well-known brand at the time doing really well yeah. and become like, you know, Fortune 100 is like a gold standard, you know, I was like, wow, how cool to be at this place at this moment in time. I actually left during the AT&T merger. So I was there five and a half years. Got it. And as that was happening, it was kind of like writings on the wall. This is not going to be good for us. And it, it ends up AT&T actually spun DirecTV back out. So they're kind of more of a stand. They still own part of it, but they're, it's more standalone again. So it's just been an interesting right. thing to see. They're like the um, first streaming service. They were like streaming local television because of satellite, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and the technology is really cool. Like they actually 
the uh, CTO we used to have was a Brazilian guy and he would, he was very well known for some of his quips that he would say. And he, one of the things that he was quoted as saying in one of the newspapers was like, we, we had a problem with how our, uh, how our hotel systems were working. So we put some, we put some rocket scientists on it, like literally rocket scientists. And I'm like, of course you have rocket scientists because we put satellites in space, you know? Of course. (laughs) Where'd you go from there then? Because that was like around, you said, 2011, 2010, 11? Yeah, it was uh, 2000, let's see, 2009. Okay. Yeah, to 2014-ish. Uh, I went to USAA. So that's, and then wow. I changed, I went to financial services, led the uh, digital investment experience, uh, ended up kind of using a similar path, like, oh my gosh, they didn't have product managers for digital experiences. Clearly that works well. The discipline needs to be brought in. So ended up like bringing all of that to USAA and transforming the way that we were working and brought in training for everyone. We had like 300 ish people in our team in our department. online where people could interact. And so they were online. Yeah. Um, they were, but they were treating it more like a channel they were managing, uh, which is fine, but not as a product. And so the difference is you've got to look at what the users actually really want to need. It's not just about like, what numbers are we seeing? Numbers are important, but it's like, they it was a job where you're kind of like watching a sales funnel right. and not optimizing a sales funnel and not empathizing right. with the end user. Like your experience, making sure things work right. And the people are clicking here and you're like, well, why are they doing that? Mm-hmm. They're supposed to click here, but they don't understand. Yeah. But yeah. The usability wasn't great. Yeah. I mean, and DirecTV was kind of like trial by fire because there was so much we were learning about usability and testing and research. And, I, you know, it was amazing to have that experience and be able to take that and say, hey, USA, let's do this. Right, right. You know, um, and we were able to increase our sales tremendously and our customer sentiment tremendously and bring down calls and our costs all just by what I think of now is like really basic product management and caring about the end user, caring about the customer. And it's funny because you think of USAA, they basically have a captive yeah. audience. They have client, right? Their clients are all veterans or your connection with veterans or related mm-hmm. to veterans. Not anybody can, you're not no. the general public, but they still right. do ads on TV, like during the football games and stuff, which blows my mind. Like, <laughs> I can't buy products from USAA. No, I know. I know. It's very interesting. And the, the ads are beautiful, though. I mean, I, I love the advertising that USAA does, but it's true. It's not like you can market to everyone, but right. it sort of feels like we do. Or we, I'm I, not there I, anymore. I have these ads with, uh, what's his name? Rob Gronkowski, where he's frustrated because yeah. he can't buy their products. Yeah. So what are they telling me? I can't buy the products either. No, I know. It's it's really, USAA very much focuses on um, being an exclusive organization and really wanting the military members to feel like they have access to something special. They do. Um, they do. Yeah. Uh, you know what you can have access. There actually are products of USA's that you can buy and they are very good products. Like the life and health insurance and annuity products are all available oh, to the public. It. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I know. I wish that people knew. And I'm like, they have their health insurance plans and their annuities are phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. So, no, you, you know, Marshall's you'd never call that USAA if you're not a veteran or have right. a veteran because it sounds like you can't get it. Right. I mean, and that's, that's really who they're there for, but like right. little known facts that some of the products are available, uh, but it was amazing. And, and like okay. USAA trust, like they have the best brand trust of any company I have ever worked for or seen. Yeah. And I remember being at DirecTV. One of the reasons I really wanted to work for USAA is because I'm from San Antonio and they are like the top notch company. Is that, uh, where they're like, is that their headquarters? Yeah. San Antonio. Uh, oh, Okay. And I remember being um, working for DirecTV and our CEO at the time, Mike White, was standing at a town hall event with the entire like organization in the New York City. And he was saying, we need to have customer service like USAA. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Work there. Goodbye. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, pretty much. It didn't happen like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was like, you know, it was one of those things that's like reinforcing. Okay. Right. That's where I need to go next. Yeah. No, they're um, always known for that, you know, really taking care of them. I mean, I don't know if we take really good care of our veterans, but USAA does. USAA does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were founded by army, um, army officers that couldn't get auto insurance. Like they, no one would insure them. And so they, then they said, well, we'll do it ourselves. Like let's yeah. pool our resources and let's do it ourselves. I mean, that's how great companies start, right? Like you have a real problem that needs to be solved and you just do it. Right. So exactly. I love it. Yeah. I love their story. So you basically single-handedly transformed. No, US. <laughs> no, no, but, but here's the deal. So what I've learned about USA, it's a hundred year old company and they go through a lot of transformations. And I didn't know that because I had, you know, I was like this bright eyed, bushy tailed person. I just got there. It was like my first year. And they were like, we're doing a digital transformation. Who wants to participate? So I like raised my hand. I was a director. I went to my boss. I was like, I want to participate in this digital transformation. It's amazing. So I was one of a handful of people that got to actually like orchestrate what that looked like. Got it. Um, what I learned since then is like people were like, okay, well, you know, what we transform all the time. So like a transformation at USA is like not that and big not of a that, deal. But yeah, people were like, ah, so what? But I think it was like so opportunistic because like it really was a big deal. You know, we really did do some amazing things. But I could understand being jaded when you've been right. there for thirty years. You, you, were, like, um, you were excited about it because you were a new employee excited. and you were yeah. yeah. So yeah, so, and yeah. we got to do a lot of a lot of amazing things and increase our our sales tremendously because we apply different processes. Everyone's like, oh, uh, because the other thing I'd say one, one other quick thing. Yeah. Um, it seems like a, a no brainer to me, but a lot of the folks that were at USAA had been there for a very long time and had a lot of deep knowledge about the products that USAA offered. A, pretty much everybody on my team had worked in the call center selling investment products because I led the investment team. Got it. Um, and so like they knew all of that very well, but the technology side of things and how do you research that and how do you do design thinking and all of that was not their expertise. So bringing that to the company was a really awesome opportunity. Yeah. Did people or people, I don't know if you find this in corporate America, are they accepting like, oh yeah, I'll learn this. Or they're like, uh, I don't want to learn this. I've been doing this this way for 40 years. It's a little bit of both. I mean, yeah. um, there were definitely a lot of folks in the digital department that were so excited about like learning the new skill set and applying it. Yeah. And they, they have gone on to do amazing things at USAA and many of them outside of USAA. And so everything comes down to mindset, right? Like the growth yeah. mindset is really important. Um, but it's any company you go to, especially older ones that are like in these more restricted, confined areas. I feel um, like US, USA and San Antonio, HR Block in Kansas City, you, right. know, you kind of have, you don't, it's a different mindset sometimes. Yeah. No, you know? You're in a world that's kind of, so yeah, insulated. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, do you feel, now we're going to, because we're going to get into the second half of the show about what you're doing now with the, mm -hmm. the whole, um, uh, what's the company? Leva. 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 Got it. Um, we're going to get into that, but do you, so do you think you were like learning anything or developing any kind of skills to run your own business at some point or absolutely not? Like, Oh uh, yeah. Looking back for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, leadership is critical. Being able to inspire people is critical. Being able to speak uh, confidently. I mean, again, if I had stayed back in the background, like I wanted to do and been a programmer at all, right. Yeah. Would never be a thing. Uh, but, but I've had a lot of opportunities in my career, thankfully that I've really loved and have been super challenging as a historic introvert to get on stage and talk about the products we're launching to try to convince executives and convince partners and salespeople about like why these products matter and why they should care and what, what they're going to deliver for the, the people on the ground. Sure. Um, so I think those things translate pretty directly and Definitely. being able to still like have a background in technology and understand like what good looks like and 
not be um, confused about it. Or post, right, because some people can do the leadership stuff and can't communicate. Yeah, the technology side of it, you know, right? People have no idea what they're talking about. So I think those things have been like really helpful. Um, yeah. I, I, but it's a struggle. I'm learning every day, and there's some days that I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I not go down? I wish I had a background in sales, you know, or I wish I had a background in like law, like you, yeah. right? Like those things would be so helpful. Yeah, but you know what? You can hire salespeople, and you can. You know, you can hire lawyers and accountants, and whatever. But some of the stuff like leadership, I mean, even like people think of leadership, like like you said, like at the corporate level, they don't realize when you have a small business, how important those skills become to the success or failure of the business. Like, you, you know, your ability to communicate with your employees and empower them and get them to buy into your vision yes. and be on the same page. It's 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 one of the reasons that businesses fail all the time. Sometimes they don't get that far, right? It's them, it's like you and your and your partner, and there's nobody else really running the business. But when you start growing and you start scaling and you start bringing in employees, very often things grow and people are in the wrong spot or they're doing the wrong thing or they're all overlapping or they're, yeah. or they're siloed, which is even worse, right? They're not communicating. And, and your ability yes. to do that is like my – I was never good at that when I had a bigger law firm. I was never good at hiring people, picking the right people. I was just – I wouldn't say I was gullible, but I would always see the good in people, you know, and yeah. I would oh, give them the tools. They'll figure it out. And it wasn't always the case. Sometimes yeah. it was, but it too often it wasn't. So that's heartbreaking, right? When you realize that it's not, uh, you know, I got to be honest with myself. I mean, that, that was one of my shortcomings. I feel, I, I mean, I have a small firm now. It's basically virtual, just me. I, cause the kind of work I do, I don't really need yeah. like, people to manage my calendar and stuff. So I have a lot of automated things in place now. I don't think I ever want an employee again in my life. I mean, I won't I need one at some point, but yeah. you know, I don't, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to do it. I, it's just, but I think a lot of people like, you gotta be honest with yourself, right? If you want to be successful, gotta be honest about the skills that you are not good at. Yes. Can you get them other places? You know, how can you, cause you still need the, right. You still need legal support and tax hundred percent and all the other, you know, things that you don't want to do or shouldn't be doing. And even some of them, maybe you can do, but it's not the best use of your time. Like you, at this point, I'm sure you're very rarely sitting behind a computer programming thing. Oh my God, never. It would be, it would be a bad decision. Trust me. (laughs) Exactly. But people do it and they can't take their hand off of whatever it is that, and they never get, you know, and then they wonder why they can't get off the ground because they're not doing it, you know, the right way. So, so we're going to, we'll, we'll take a break. It's 25 minutes. We'll take a break. Uh, acknowledge some of the sponsors that support us. And then we'll, we'll come back. And I want to talk about like kind of how you came up with the concept, how you started developing the, the idea to write a business plan, you know, what all the planning things, because that's like the thing that people skip. And yeah. It doesn't have to be painful in a hundred page report, but they got to kind of do go through the exercise. Okay. So let's love it. commercials and then we'll, then we'll come back. Here's a word from our sponsors looking to market and grow your business. Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. 
through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly tab board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools and customized strategic planning workshops, tab membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. All right. So we were saying about, um, you know, all the skills that you need to get started and how you do it. Because I think I was talking to a group this morning about putting things in writing. That's like a big thing that I do. I'm writing a book on it with a friend of mine who I wouldn't have been able to do without him. And, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, having a written business plan, having a contract with your customers, having whatever. And a lot of the stuff, um, you know, like, SaaS software and things like that, all based on contracts and things like that. But a lot of people go into a small business and they do not put things in writing, and it's it's really, you know, bad. So I'd I'd love to know. Interesting. Yeah, as we get into this more, like let's go back to you know where the concept came from for Leva and all those types of things, and why you even wanted to make a jump out of corporate America, and then we can talk about the skills you need to get there and what you went through to start developing it. But yeah. So how did it start? Like you're like I'm leaving. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, the background. Um, so I, uh, I was 35. I decided to be, become a parent. Um, okay. My husband and I chatted about it. It was never part of my long-term plan and you I changed my to... mind. Nope. Didn't, didn't okay. want to. Interesting. It was more like, I want to travel. I want to. Third, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to travel. I wanted to focus on my career. And then, uh, and then I got to this point where my husband and I were doing really well, um, relatively speaking. And we're like, is this just like the rest of life? Like it's going to be like this for the next forever, you know? And it was great, but I was like, maybe we should have a baby. Like nothing and carries on to the next right generation. Well, just like to be able to experience all of the amazing things yeah. um, again and from a different perspective. And it, like, it just felt like life was really good, but like it could be so much more, you know? And, and honestly, I was so career driven and it was like a, obsessive, you know? And I was like, well, there's more to life than that. And I need to, I need to find that. And I bet, I bet everyone I knew that would, had families, like their families were so important in their lives. And of course my husband was, but I was like, mm, maybe we should have a baby. Yeah. And we talked a lot about it. We took lots of, lots of months deciding um, to have a family. Yeah. And, and then we and did. More so than other people. I don't think people really plan that out very much. I mean, they just, you know, I don't know what that says about me. (laughs) No, I mean, you're a planner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Very, very much so. (laughs) So, um, so I was still at USAA. I was an executive at USAA at this time and, um, got pregnant with my baby. Pregnancy was great. Having the baby was awesome. Like the birth and everything went well. And I also thought like he's going to sleep in his own room from the very first day. And sure. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, my one of guys on my team like totally made fun of me for that. He's like, "Oh, Vanessa, you have no idea." Right. And uh, well, and then I was like, is "USA a supportive company for women who depends want- on how you ask. Uh, it depends on how you mean. Um, the company in, in general is very male, very male dominated, which makes yeah. sense. Uh, San Antonio, Texas, uh, military company. Right. Um, but they, but actually, and I was very lucky about this when our baby arrived, it was July. And I believe it was the very beginning of July where they enacted their parental leave policy, which was very generous. It was 12 weeks, I think for both um, parents, for both parents. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and so from that perspective, it was phenomenal from a different perspective. It was not phenomenal. <laughs> right. Well, that's, you know, male dominated yeah. bosses and things. Yeah. Can't you be yeah. whatever, right? I had a, I had a wonderful leader I worked for. And honestly, part of why I, I loved that job to start with because my boss was so great, but then he left and I really wanted his job. And like everyone was coming out of the woodwork and this like fabulous people that, that in the business line I supported were recommending me for the job and everything else. I went on maternity leave. I came back, they hired somebody from outside the company. So that was not so great, yeah. you know? Right. Um, but that's also, you know, then I didn't have a lot of loyalty to the company after that. And I ended up was leaving. And leave. <laughs> it was easy to leave. Yeah, it was easy. I got an offer from a different company externally and I was like, okay. Um, but anyway, back to, back to Leva, like I, uh, I, you know, thought breastfeeding would be natural and it wasn't like, I just had the biggest struggle breastfeeding my baby. Um, he wasn't gaining weight. I was in severe pain. It was yeah. crazy. And I always say like, I'm an athlete. I've been a runner a lot of, for most of my life, you know, I've been in corporate America as a female, like those aren't easy things, but breastfeeding was by far the hardest thing. Um, and it shocked me. It shocked me that it was hard because I'm like, yeah. animals do this, right? Like we're supposed to do this. No, it's not like that. Especially being an athlete, you're out there working hard and doing it. Sometimes yeah. your body doesn't work that way. My wife, I told you offline when we first met, my wife had terrible time with breastfeeding. We gave it up after a while. The doctor was like, listen, you're not going to do this for a year. The baby will be yeah. fine. You don't need to go through all this pain. And exactly. And yeah, it was terrible. Uh, I love I love that you you had a good doctor that told you that. Um, yeah, he was great. I feel like our society is so weird. It's so polarizing. It's like, oh, if you if you feed your baby formula, you're evil and it's horrible. Oh my god! Uh, you but know, like there's you know, in the hospitals. I don't know about in San Antonio, but when you give birth to hospitals up here, there's no like support for the formula. Mm-hmm. There's no formula support people. They're all lactation people, right? You know, La leche and all that type of stuff chasing you around. They want to meet with you and all that. They like almost make you feel bad if you can't. They do. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like, okay, can we just have a balanced perspective? Yes, breastfeeding is good for these reasons. It, 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 it is. It's great. Like there's a lot of wonderful immune benefits that your baby gets if you breastfeed. Yeah. Even if you breastfeed a little bit, right. you know, like, and, and it doesn't have to be for all that long. Anyway, I won't get into that, but like, it doesn't have to be for a full year um, because your baby by, I think it's, I want to say it's actually not even six months, but your baby has so many more like of their own immune system built up um, by that point that they, they honestly can do just fine. Um, and it's not that breastfeeding isn't great for the kids. It is. But if you can't do it, if you can't, and if it's stressing you out as a parent, well-being and mental, right? Yeah, exactly. And so many people formula baby in those days, that's all they, yeah, exactly. Twitch a little bit here and there, but fine. (laughs) Maybe there are some underlying issues that we haven't discovered yet. Cause I'm the same. I was also formula fed. Yeah. I'm a twin. And my mom, when she had us, she was like, yeah, no. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't. So I'm, not, I'm not doing too. Like a cow at that point. It's just yeah. back and forth and it's terrible. Oh yeah. I, it, but that's the only way I feel about it. Like I'm not against breastfeeding, obviously yeah. if you can do those things, but if you can't, you shouldn't feel bad. Like you shouldn't feel bad. Your baby. And that's exactly. that we had a supportive pediatrician. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so like, I became very obsessed with like, a, why can't I do this? Well, why does it hurt? 
what resources are available? Is breast milk even actually better? Like all the questions I became somewhat obsessed with and started researching and finding out some really cool things. Like there's a, um, a university in Western Australia that actually has a human lactation research department. And they've discovered some really phenomenal things about how babies latch and how they extract milk and like just information that hasn't made it to the public yet. Right. And hopefully, hopefully well, but we're, like we're sh- working with, yeah. we should, yeah. it should. Um, so we're working with a researcher there and like putting that information in our app and making it available to everyone and, and just things like that. And like, there are some really great formula companies out there that use like organic milk and really highly, right certified um, ingredients, right? It's really highly certified organic ingredients. Most of them are not in the United States. There is one now called Bobby that's in the US that's really awesome, but most of them are European brands. So just like really wanting to find out what the best things are and make it available. But anyway, like this, the whole goal at the time wasn't to be an entrepreneur. I was very happy with my corporate career. I was very happy with my trajectory and everything that was going on. Okay. Um, And so I I left USA. I went to H&R Block. I moved to Kansas City. Um, to lead their do-it-yourself tax team okay. and things were going great. And then 2020 happened and we got sent home and we yeah. had this wonderful pandemic. And uh, so three of my- At that point, just working from home? Yes. Working from home, working right. from home. And uh, I was doing Leva. I actually wasn't doing Leva yet. No. So like three of my friends became pregnant and I remember just feeling so bad for them, thinking about like my experience yeah, and- what they were going to go through. Yeah, what they might go through and then being stuck at home without, you know, feeling like you could bring somebody into your house because right. it was that time where we had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we were so scared. Like March of 2020. I think we shut down, right? Yeah. 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 And then it was like June and like three people I knew were like, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I was like, oh God. Well, that was happening. Yay. Drinking and doing other things. So yeah, exactly. We're stuck at home with our, our spouses. <laughs> exactly. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. So it was like that moment. I was like, I've got to do something like the least I can do. I know how to build digital products. The least I can do is get really helpful information and make it available to moms. And so to your point about how do you like document things and how do you like figure out what to do? Yeah. I knew it had to be something about breastfeeding. Okay. um, Because I struggled with it so much, but then I I wanted to find out what do moms need? What do they want? And so um, I, I did a big survey. I, 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 a huge like survey through this, through Qualtrics, which is a great survey tool. Um, we got feedback from hundreds of moms um, that were in that first year postpartum about so the support you, that they wanted. Did you buy lists? Does the mm-hmm. survey company have access to that data? We bought lists. Got it. So you built a survey, like SurveyMonkey, right? You built a mm-hmm. survey, you sent it out to hundreds of women. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then used that data to, to prioritize. Were interested in sharing? I mean, like you got a really good response? Yeah. And actually, like if I can take a step back. Although I know like time is of the essence. Um, I also did some research in grad school. So I went back to grad school when my kid was one year old and I I focused on breastfeeding as a problem with the team that I had there. And we did a survey around like milk production and how much do moms want to know, like their ability to produce a a good amount of milk. Like if they could know definitively, would they want to? And the answer is yes. Right. Or do they Um, care? Yeah. Do they not care? Like they care. Um, They care desperately. And we put the survey out. I put the survey out on a Friday afternoon, and in three days, I got eight hundred, almost nine hundred people filling out the survey, and it was totally free. They, I didn't wow. pay for any results. Yeah, and like the pain was real. Like the pain around breastfeeding is so visceral, and milk supply concerns. It's it's amazing. Like how much women are stressing about it, you know, um, and wanting help and wanting support. So that was my first indication. Like it's it's a real problem and it's a real thing. And it's not just. I mean, I know it's not just me, but like to right. see it like such a big response. 
so anyway, that was like 2018, 2019. Then fast forward to 2020 and like COVID and all this stuff. I was like, I got to do something. Right. So I started doing more research around like what would a holistic solution look like? And um, a lot of the things that moms are wanting, yes, breastfeeding is very important, but like sleep's important, physical fitness and feeling good about your body because it changes so much when you have a baby. Um, like there's a lot of like, I, and I didn't anticipate that. I don't know why I didn't anticipate that. But there's so much feedback around that aspect of things and just wanting to feel like you're doing well enough and you have positive reinforcement. So when we started taking all of that data and like compiling it for what we wanted to build in Leva, it was really like mindfulness and mental health and well-being are critical. So that was something I hadn't like intended to go after in the beginning. It was really much going to mostly going to be like breastfeeding focused. But after right. doing the research and it's getting the feedback, right, it's all part of the it's whole. all integrated 100 percent. Yeah. So, so over the last couple of years, um, we've ended up building an app. The app um, has over 250 very well-researched articles in it about everything that you can imagine as a new parent, um, breastfeeding, sleep, fitness, wellness, mental health, career, mm-hmm. uh, over a hundred mindfulness meditations that are really written for a working mom. Um, we have some that are specific for breastfeeding, which is very interesting because there are studies that actually have looked at meditation and the effects on milk flow and how it actually promotes milk flow. It's amazing. Um, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Stress yeah, it makes sense, right? Screws up everything in your body. It does. It, does. it totally does. Yeah, you don't think it does, but it does screw up everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, we know, like we know, and hopefully people are learning meditation uh, also helps with depression and anxiety. It also helps support um, emotional intelligence. So it's like this really compounding effect as a new parent, you're not going to make time for but right. if it's there in front of you and it's something like, well, you're tracking your baby's nursing or you're tracking your pumping or your bottle feeding and you can listen to a meditation while you're doing it, it just puts you in such a better state of mind. And you're doing this numerous times a day. Right. So, I mean, it, I just think like the impact that we can have is, is it's tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, definitely meditation, being able to, you know, quiet the noise and yeah. learn. And it's a learned skill, right? You don't do it well the first time. Because I've, I've been doing that as well. And I just interviewed somebody who he did a seven day meditation where he didn't eat. What? He went into some place where there was, he's from uh, Prague. So he oh, cool. went to some place where people go to meditate for maybe a day or two. He did it for seven days in the dark. There was no light. Um, there was no food. There was water, like he would drink. But he did this whole thing where at the end of the seven days, he had to like eat bone broth for a couple of days and, you know, like build his system back up. But, and he said he came up with the most amazing ideas that he'd ever had because his head was clear and he just put everything aside. Oh, wow. You know, but I think look, we can go back 15 minutes a day should be good. If uh, like, you know, <laughs> your moms, maybe they do a couple of times a day, but yeah. yeah but I, I think that we have so much noise in our lives and now you got more noise, right? Now you got a baby monitor, probably with video, Thank God they didn't have that when my kids were little. It was bad enough. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. You put up the monitor right next to your head. Yes. No sleep for the rest of your life. I've never really slept well since my kids were born. I know. Same here. Same here. Sleep was so nice before. Yeah, but you you got to learn to like quiet it down and just put it yeah. down for the night and just say it's going to be fine. But you, as a parent, you worry about everything. But yeah, and it's so interesting. Like the, the I think the most important thing that I've learned through this entire process um, is that our thoughts are not fact. Right. right. And it's, it sounds so obvious, but like sometimes we think the most negative things and we can be our own worst. Critics right. They're not really can, happening. It's not really happening. And they're not going to happen. Right. 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 It's just a data point. Your, your mind is telling you something. It's okay to ignore it. You know, it's okay to like clear your mind, empty your mind and focus on something else. Yeah. So yeah, it's just been fascinating. 
Um, so we launched our app in the fall of last year. It was so it's been a journey to start. It wasn't, it was a website to start. It was a website. Yeah. Okay. It was a website. We launched our website January, 2021. Okay. And just built a lot of content around it since then. And then built our app fall of last year. And, uh, yeah, it's been a really exciting journey so far. And then we put it in the app store actually in January. So January of okay. this year, it's in the app store. Got it. Got it. Got it. How many, what are you based on users, downloads? How, mm-hmm. how do you measure that? All of the above okay. um, downloads. We are over, I haven't checked in a while. Honestly, it's over a thousand downloads now. Um, users. We have several, we have 700 users probably okay. at this point um, and growing. So uh but now the big focus is on B2B and how do we right. offer this as a benefit to employers? Um, because the other pain point, obviously I'm a career woman, right? Like my experience has been as a corporate person and 43% of working of moms, new moms will leave the workforce within the first year of having a baby 40%. I mean, it's crazy. Um, so as an employer being able to support the mom and the parents holistically and retain them is so important but a lot of the reasons they're leaving is because they're, they don't feel like they belong anymore. They're not getting right. the support they need. Support, right, exactly. Yeah. They want you to do the same job. I know a lot of women that left law because of that. They were in big law. They get pregnant yeah. or they had a baby. And they're like, yeah, well, what we'd like to do, uh, Vanessa, is we'd like to make you a partner, which means you have to bring in business. Oh, and you take care of your kids. That's not really our problem. And right. you have to also do the same amount of work you were doing before. And you're like, I don't want to do this. And they quit. You know, yeah. eventually they'll practice whatever a small practice, but they're not going to be in a big firm. So, yeah, it's definitely not. A, it's a support issue. I think you can it is. use that number if you give people proper support. But, you know. you know, and it's an interesting thing, like looking at other countries, like a lot of um, Scandinavian countries, Iceland, Norway, um, Finland, they have very different policies yeah. around families and around parental Much leave. More supportive. Yeah. And they're focused on um, on making the leave access available to both parents so, and, and making sure that both parents take it. So in the U S you know, the, on average dads, like only 5% of dads will take more than two weeks of paternity leave. Even if it's available to them, you know, right. they're, they're not going to take more than two weeks. Mo- most won't. It's crazy. But in Nordic countries, like they're required, there's a quota, they have to take leave. And what happens then is that the child care is really much more balanced. And so it doesn't fall on the mom to your point about like, mom's going part-time in the U S like, or quitting altogether. It's great that we have those options, but that's the expectation, you know, yeah. um, in these other countries, like the dad, like the mom takes time off. Obviously she's just had the baby. So she's caring for the baby. Then the non-birthing parent will go and they'll spend some time together taking care of the baby. And then the mom goes back to work and the dad stays with the baby alone for several weeks. And in fact, sometimes months. Yeah. And, um, and what happens in those countries is that they actually have the highest level of gender equity in the world. I'm sure. Where, you know, where both parents are excelling in their careers, they have the higher levels of education, their salaries are more comparable. Um, so it's just really interesting to think of, like to, going back to our initial conversation around systems thinking. Yeah, it really is a whole system. And that it has to change society, it benefits the whole system. It does. Yeah. It absolutely does. That's selfish. Look, you said before that you gave birth, you came back, you weren't able to get the job that the promotion you wanted because you weren't yeah. there. You were well, I also talked to that leader and I said, I don't care if I'm inter- on maternity leave. I'm coming back to interview for that job. He's like, yeah, of course. Didn't right. happen. Right. They never even, you know, so. You never yeah. even got the interview. Never got the interview. And I also have sharp elbows and I'm very loud as a woman. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the lighter well, version of myself. Vanessa, that gone. I don't know, man. She went away a long time ago. <laughs> 
Yeah, life does that to you. You know, it does doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you want to do important things, it kind of has to. I mean, that's see, that's why you got to you got to meditate. But you can't get rid of the stress if you want to accomplish things and you want to move forward and you want to you know chase after opportunities and stuff like that. So stress will come with that. It's a management issue. It's not an elimination of yes. the stress issue, you know. And I think, yes, that, yeah, I got a lot of friends and people that are on, I've been on my podcast and friends of mine that are like mindfulness coaches, you know, just about how to, what is that power positive thinking type of stuff, mm-hmm. like controlling what I think a lot of people like don't, especially when like, if you're having kids, I remember even just me, right. I obviously didn't give birth. My wife did, but I remember when you don't have sleep, forget about food and water. You, be oh, like, yeah. you don't have sleep. You lose your mind totally. to, to be able to balance that stuff. I remember we were taught. So my first kid was in the NICU for a while you learn a lot from the NICU nurses that you don't when you're a yeah. regular, they push you out the door like in two days and you're like standing in the street with this baby. And we learned all this stuff when he was in the NICU and we were charting things and keeping track of poops and peas and whatever. And my friends are like, well, we don't know if he's sick. I'm like, don't you write that down? Like nobody tells them this stuff. <laughs> yeah. They're just out in the world. So it's, it's, uh, it's very, it's very stressful. So, you know, be able to manage that. So where did the name Leva come from, by the way? Um, so it was actually a friend of ours that when we were for, so I say ours, my husband and I, um, when we were first thinking about like doing this, uh, we have this fabulous friend named Griff, John Griffin, and he's just am- amazing, like designer and creative guy. And we're like, so here's what the business is. Here's the research. Here's what we're going to do. Like, can you help us with our brand? And he's like, yeah, he came up with three names all based in Latin roots and leva means levitate or lift. It's the root for that. Right. And so we're like, well, it's all about lifting women. Right. And of course, like I'm a data person. So I took the different name options and I ran a survey <laughs> <laughs> and that name won. So. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. But that was the one you were leaning towards anyway. So yeah. 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 But, but you know, I want, I want the moms yeah, to tell me like decision yourself. No, that's smart. Look, the best people I've had on the podcast and clients of mine constantly ask for feedback from their, from their user base, their customers, yeah. the, the, the industry that they work in and they don't stop. They're always right. asking. Yeah. Always have to know. I mean, and so like going back to dads yeah, and and you're a dad of three and all of those things. I think I mentioned this to you when we first talked, but um, we are actually building out a component for dads and partners, like the non-birthing parent journey. Yeah. We should be alone. You need help. Right. Right. You also need to know what's going on and you need to know how you can help your, your spouse and how you can help the baby and all of that stuff. So we're doing a big design thinking session, which means like bringing in users, interviewing, interviewing new dads, interviewing those parents and like, building out the content and the experience around it. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Dad's definitely, if you haven't noticed, we very often die younger than you do. So yeah, we have more stress. I do not want that to happen. By the way, I'm like, I'm like, Justin, you can't, my husband's name is Justin. I'm like, you cannot go before me. So right. that's not acceptable. Well, that's all planned out. I would assume in your life, right? Of course. You got the whole thing planned. Oh, oh, Mitch, we planned when I turned 40, we planned our next 10 years. Nice. <laughs> I need a session around planning 10 years. What will 50 look like? Yeah. That's a yeah. good way to do it. Yeah. So, so what, um, I, I want to ask you how old you are, but how's the plan going so far? <laughs> well, I'll be 43, uh, next month. Oh, you're just starting into them. Um, well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I'm like, how did this happen so fast? It's going great. Uh, it's going really, really great. Um, That's our net worth is where I want it to be. <laughs> Mine's too. Don't ever tell anybody it's not going great. Well, I mean, honestly, like we actually checked in a month ago and we're like, how is it going? And we always had this goal of like where our net worth would be before we retired and like go travel around in a barge, right? Like we're not doing that yet, but we made it a barge. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, when I was 24, when I met my husband, I was like, I want to retire on a barge and bake pies in Europe. Is that okay? He's like, sure. (laughs) One of the, one of these places where people live in houseboats, these barges and 
That's funny. Why not? I don't know. Whatever. It's a goal. (laughs) I've still never been on a barge and I don't bake pies, but it was a goal at the time. Um, But we had this dream of like. It's like on the Hudson River with all the garbage on it. Yeah. Like who would want to live on that? That's pretty funny. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but it's going good. And we're like, we want to have houses in numerous locations. We want to travel a ton. Good. We just, we just got back from a 40 day road trip across the Pacific Northwest, you know, working and living and, you know, and so I think we're doing it. I think any one of my daughters would come and live with you and travel the world. Absolutely. I mean, I, we have met up with so many people along the way. Sure. Um, it's so fun, you know, like being able just to go and like connect with humans and Can why not? Like you've got to, you only have one shot at this yeah, life. That's for sure. You know? That's for sure. Yeah, no, that's the whole thing about stress management, enjoying your life. All right. So that's going well, but uh, don't plan too much. So there's this word. um, What was the word? You know, um, morphogenic versus morphostatic. Ooh, what's this? So so morphogenic, morphostatic people are like you're on a train, right, on the tracks, and there's a a curve in the road, but they want to keep the train on the track no matter what. Morphogenic people are more flexible and they recognize that they could still get to their destination by making adjustments because the life doesn't happen in a straight line. So are you more (laughs) more morphostatic or are you more morphogenic? No, I am so not. I am so much more like... We're on this path. We are going to stay on this path. We're going to see it through. Right? No, God, no, because things don't work that way. No, they don't. I'm not saying they do. Yeah, they don't. No, I know. I'm with you. I'm with you. I never, like when we started Love, I never thought we would be selling to businesses. And then I did a financial plan. Well, first, you know, I started talking to business owners and they're like, yeah. oh, I really want this. And I'm like, oh, cool. Right. And then, uh, and then I did a financial plan. I'm like, well, shit, we can make a lot more money doing this. Make more money. It'd be a more robust company. Meet, reach more people. Reach so people many more people. And the workplaces where a lot of this, these problems happen. They are where so many happen. And yeah. like in our, in our society in America, like we don't have government systems that support new parents, right? Yeah. Like other countries do. Oh, so. It's really, it's sadly, I mean, it's on the employer. And thank goodness there are some amazing employers that really want to make a difference, you know? Right, right. Well, you know, like, no, go ahead. I was going to say, our, I, the way I think about it, because it makes me so excited, is like, we're the portfolio of companies that we're building, that we're partnering with, I will very confidently say are the companies that, that people should be wanting to work for. Right. Because they actually care. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think, I think people are, companies are starting to learn to brand themselves for employees, not just for yeah. customers as to the environments that they want to work in childcare and mental health. It's all, it's all part of it. So, so I I do thank you for, you know, spending the time with me this morning. I know we took a while to connect and let's definitely check back in and see, you know, how things are developing. Um, It's um, the, the apps available on what Android and yes, Android and Apple. Okay. So there's Google play and Apple or whatever, maybe Amazon. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, is the website still there too? Or yeah, www.levaapp.com. All right, we'll put that link in the show notes. Thank and, you. Uh, I appreciate coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at 
The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.